Thank you and welcome to Willow Park if you're joining us online and one of our many um, online viewers. We want to thank you for doing this and joining us and come and check us out in person, honestly. I'm, I'm a lot taller than I am on, the, um, on digital. I'm six foot two, really. Um, so come and check me out. <laughs> well, not me. Uh, that sounds a little odd, doesn't it? Um, but... Come and join us, and we'd love to see you. And if you haven't been back to church for a while, why don't you come back and, um, and come and join us? We're having a good time, aren't we, here? And um, it's great. Uh, we're going to continue our series as we step into our series to do with the questions that Jesus asked and the question that Jesus answered. And as we approach this, we've been on quite a journey. We've looked at who, um, who do you say I am? Who? What is it about? Uh, what are you looking for? What do you want from your life? And of course, this was a key question at the beginning about our purpose. What do we want from our lives? And we know that ultimately, what we ultimately gain as the purpose for our life is living in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And in God's presence and God's power. And of course, we realized and we explored the whole question of, of, of compassion. And about being, about being compassionate and that God looks at us and we should reflect the compassion and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And last week we looked at the whole area of, of, of he called us by name and that remarkable story of the beggar uh, Lazarus who was there. And as they came into the, um, into the house, of course, the rich man saw him but ignored him, saw him but ignored him, but God knew the beggar by name. Not only did he know him by name, but of course, we looked at that story of Lazarus, um, uh, the story actually of Legion, where Legion then, of course, the man was completely possessed, but the Lord came and freed him from his, his battles within his own life. And so often, so many of us feel as if we've got like 6,000 things going on in our brain. And we're wondering about who we are and what we're about and what our life is about. And yet the truth is, true identity is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jacob came and there at Puzan, he, 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 he wrestled with the Lord. And there the Lord asked him, what is your name? Of course, the Lord knew. But my name is Jacob. Uh, basically, I am a swindler. I'm a spin doctor. I have messed around. I have caused problems and division in the family. I have done things generationally that have affected but then the Lord spoke to him and said, I'm going to rename you Israel. And the beauty is that when whoever we are and whatever we've been through, when the Lord touches our lives and we wrestle with the Lord in prayer, we come out with a new name. We come out with a new heart. We come out with a new direction. And it's a profound work of salvation that happens within our lives. So I want to question about the reach of love. And as we think about the question of the reach of love, this section of scripture where I'm going to turn to in Luke chapter 10 and verse 25, Luke in the next three stories or three incidents and teachings is teaching us about what it means to be a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And of course, we're going to start out with a question about love. And if you know your Bibles, as I know so many of you do so very well, then you know that I'm going to come to a familiar story called the Good Samaritan. The problem with the Good Samaritan is it's almost become part of folklore. It's part of myth. It's part of our, our society as well. It's one of those stories in the Bible that is in the fabric of our society. You see in newspaper articles, Good Samaritan turned up and made a difference. You see it used for relief agency, support Good Samaritan, the Samaritan's Purse. We use it in so many ways. It's part of our language. And yet Jesus is making a very profound statement about the importance of love in the world and the important ingredients that make a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you may be surprised where I'm going to land with this. Because I'm going to connect this story with the following two events of teaching to understand what it means to be a true disciple in the Lord Jesus Christ and to go that direction. But the Good Samaritan. It starts with a question. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, notice the expert of the Lord law is testing Jesus. People love to test Jesus, don't they? They love to, to try. And of course, they weren't very happy with Jesus. His all-inclusive approach. He's eating with sinners. He's turning water into wine. It was a shock. I mean, water into wine. It's a shock for the church. Jesus turned water into wine. We've been trying to turn it back into water ever since. Uh, wondering, like, um, what teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. Loads of questions here. How do you read it? There we have that moment. Jesus asked 307 questions of people. And here we have one. How do you read it, lawyer? How do you read it, wise one? How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Exactly right. He wins the prize. Come on down, lawyer. You've done well done. Spin the wheel and choose your prize. He's got it right. He's, he's, he's captured it and he looks at it and says, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But sometimes lawyers and even religious lawyers have an ability to be able to, to keep questioning, to get down. But, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked, and who is my neighbor? As we look at these scriptures, I want you to realize there's a number of things happening First of all, for us to fulfill these scriptures that I'm going to unpack with you, we have to be listening to the voice and the presence of God within our lives. It is impossible for us to step into this discipleship process and really understand the power of this verse without understanding that as believers, we have to be led by the presence of the Spirit and listen to the voice of the Spirit within our lives. We live our lives being led by the presence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 
And we need the Holy Spirit at work within our lives. The second thing we need is sensitivity to how God is leading us and how God is taking us. We need today in today's society, we don't need angry Christians. We don't need resentful Christians. We don't need Christians who seem to be all bent out of shape. What we need are Christians who are listening to the voice of God within their own lives and who are sensitive to the leading of God in their lives. And who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. We know this story. He's on the ground. He's naked. He's dying. He's half dead. A priest happened to go down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. The reason he probably passed by on the other side is because according to Leviticus, if you touch a dead body or somebody in this state who presumed dead, he would be unclean and he would be unable to go to the temple to do his work. So he stepped over his problem rather than stepping in his problem and getting involved. And this is always the danger with religion. We can step over the problem rather than stepping into the problem. We can step over it and ignore the issue rather than stepping into it and making a difference in the world that we are in. But he had good theological reason because he didn't want to touch a dead body and maybe also he didn't want to get involved. So to a Levite. And when he came to the place, he saw him and passed on the other side. Again, the same reason. Again, he was passing by on the other side. By the way, the road to Jericho wasn't very long, very, very wide at all. It's, 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 when it says he passed by, he really did just sort of pass by. It was a treacherous road. It was a dangerous road. And Jesus puts the context of the story. He could have chosen many roads in in Israel, but he chose a treacherous, dangerous road to tell this story. And just because the world is dark and just because the world is treacherous, And just because we face difficulties and problems in the world that we are in, it does not mean that we somehow can step out of it. We are called in a treacherous world to be disciples of the living Lord. We are called to be disciples of Jesus and we are called to make a difference. We don't step out of our discipleship. We don't step out of our commitment to Christ. We decide that as for me, I will follow the Lord and I will not turn. I will keep going. But a Samaritan, and as he travelled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. There's the stun grenade moment where we get the good Samaritan. He went to him and bandaged his wounds and pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And then the next day he took out to Deliran and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for all any extra expense that you may have. 
Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Don't you love Jesus? He's just, he's turning everything upside down. He's talking about radical love. He's talking about making a difference in our world. The expert of the law of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. You see, what the lawyer wanted to do, the lawyer wanted to create distinctions between people. I want a distinction. I want to know truly if, if I can, I want to know truly if I can love everybody or do I have to love everybody because I want distinctions. I don't really want to love this group of people. I don't want to love that group of people. I want a distinction. But you see, the love of God does not distinct about human beings. God and Christ came into the world. He came to die for all humanity. But we are so good at making distinctions about this group and that people and this group. And yet distinctions are a very dangerous thing. And he wants distinctions. He wants to just love his friends, his family, his tribe, his religious environment. He basically just wants to be loving the world in a very narrow way. But you see, it's about loving God and it's about loving your neighbour. And the only way we are able to love humanity is actually through the power and the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm convinced that the only way you and I can make a difference in the world and live out these scriptures is by being believers who are full of the power of the Holy Spirit and have the Holy Spirit at work within our lives because that is the only way we can truly step into the problems of humanity Set aside distinctions, prejudices, and say, as for me, I am full of the power of the Holy Spirit, and I want to go into the world, and I want to love this world. It's the only way. And as, as, as Luke says later on, I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. You see, the man was naked... And left dying. But what God wants to do is not leave you naked and struggling in this world. What he wants to do, he wants to clothe you with the power of the Holy Spirit. You might say there's too many needs. There's too many problems. There's too many difficulties. How can I go out there and meet all of the problems in the world? Well, I'm not asking that. What I'm saying is we walk out into the world and as we meet people in this world, we ensure that we are clothed with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that will make the difference for us. Being clothed. You see, it's linked here, same author, Luke. Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The only way we can engage in radically affecting this world with love and mercy is to clothe ourselves in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Jewish lawyer wanted to you know, get his scope out 
And he wanted to, to just understand what is the scope of my love? Okay, I just really want to love my family and my friends and my Jewish group. That's all I want to love, right? That's my scope. And we hate the Samaritans anyway. They are, they are an offshoot, a Jewish sect. They worship on another mountain. Even today, Samaritans still exist. There are 850 Samaritans in the world today. And there is a high priest linked to 133 high priests that go all the way back to the tribe of Dan right there. They splintered and they broke off. They identify with the northern tribes and they say that they worship God on that mountain, you in Jerusalem, and the Jews despise them. They absolutely despise them. And under... uh, Byzantine, uh, under the Christian rule, they were also went down to about 1900. And then, the, then if you read the history of them, then, of course, the um, Islamic armies came in and, and, and they are what they are today. But in the ancient times, they were a sizable group. And they believed something. Jesus met a Samaritan woman at a well. And, and here Jesus drops the stun grenade and says... A Samaritan came, he cared, he loved the most unexpected person, therefore you do that. And you can imagine, what is my scope? Well, this is probably because the the Jewish lawyer knew, give this scripture, which isn't in our canon, it's part of the Apocrypha, but was around 200 BC, 175 BC, these sayings were written. And it's part of of Jewish literature. Give to the devout, but do not help the sinner. So he's got a good reference to say, don't help a sinner. Look after the devout. Look after ourselves. Look after these people. But don't, don't help the sinner. Well, of course, Jesus blows that to pieces. He says, You know, that's not the way we live. Even his disciples were full of a prejudice and wanted uh, uh, this verse. When they were turned away from a Samaritan village, when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy them? Uh, No. Uh, No, we're not in the business of uh, dirty bombs on villages. We're not in the business of raining fire down. It's like Jesus, like, you're not getting it, are you, James and John? Really, you are not getting it. It's like when Peter pulls out a sword when Jesus is being arrested in the garden and he goes and cuts an attendant's ear off. He says, don't cut people's ears off. Don't do these things. How will they hear the gospel? Don't do this. There's that that sense. There's that ingrained sense. And he says, you know, who are the true disciples? He replied, my mother, my brothers, and those who hear God's word and puts them into practice. So we have to ask ourselves the question, Are we willing to love those 
who feel unlovable? And are we willing or are we more likely to sift through the people we want and we want to keep this element and that element, but I want to be this and Jesus doesn't. He says the scope of God's love is for the whole world. I was reminded of a story of Lloyd Van Vector. The year is 1979. He's sent from his church in Philadelphia to the Philippines. He's put it in a small community where there is rivalry between a Muslim sect and also the Christians. He's sent there with his wife. And as they go, they, they minister through education to bring the Christian community and the Muslim community together so that they can show the love of God and work things through. And, and the church sent him out and the church prayed for the family and the church was supporting their ministry. And of course, it hit national news because, because Lloyd, one night, 12 men came into his office. They grabbed him and they took him out and they hijacked him and they kidnapped him. So everybody started to pray for Lloyd. Lloyd was been taken by militant Muslims, taken into the jungle, taken away. His wife had ill health. And for 20 days, they prayed back at the church for God's, God's, God's deliverance, God's strength. But the, the pastor wrote, he said, it was difficult for so many of the church members to pray for those hijackers. It was difficult to pray. And they, 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 were, they were saying, yes, we pray for them, but we want you know, them to get their just desserts. We want them to have judgment. We, and he said they were battling and... and and sadly, a number of days into Lloyd's internment and, uh, and being held, his wife passed away. And the whole church was like, what is going on? Why? You know, this is dreadful news. And, and the pastor was wise. He, he, he organized them that they put their passion into raising money towards a fund in his wife's name. Of course, he, Lloyd had no idea that his wife had died. A, a fund to help education, to help people who want to go into social work, to help young Americans to go and to make a difference in the world. And they raised thousands and thousands of dollars. Until the day, for no apparent reason, and there was a ransom was raised, but it was never handed over. Lloyd Van Vector was released by the Muslim sect one night, just released. Miraculous. He got back to America and of course they've got all these thousands and thousands of dollars and they've got the money from the ransom and everything. And they said to Lloyd, what are we going to do with this money? Where do you want to use it and how do you want to use it? Lloyd did something quite remarkable. He said, I want the money to go directly back into that village. And I want that money to continue to educate those Muslim children and to continue to show the love of God to them. Well, they were stunned. But Lloyd chose something quite remarkable because it's easy to love your own. It's easy to take a fund for American students to go to social school or to go to Bible college or to do this. 
But it's very difficult to take the money and to go back to the very group of people that had kidnapped you. And while you were in being kidnapped and hijacked and you were there not knowing whether you're going to live or die, then to come out and discover that your wife is dead and then to discover that there are thousands of dollars and then to make a decision, what is the Jesus thing to do? Well, that takes a man who listens to God's voice. That takes a man of sensitivity. That takes a man that sees the issues wider and bigger than just our needs. It's not about scope. It's not about being narrow. It's about abundant love to this broken world. And we look for that love. It's the hardest thing. How do you foster it? How do you develop that abundant love that makes such a difference? Well, it has to grow out. It has to grow out of a heart. It has to grow out of a foundation of the spirit in one's life. And Luke's very clear about this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do you remember when the disciples arrived in Samaria after a fabulous evangelist went and preached in Samaria? Do you know that character's name's Philip? Great name. He went and he preached. And people got saved and then they re- the apostles turned up and they laid hands on the, on the Samaritans and they all got filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that just God's goodness? And, he, and the, the Samaritans are then uh, receive God's power and receive God's spirit. And of course, historically, so many of them did become Christ followers. And it can own, this, 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 this tough message can only happen through a sensitivity, a listening, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. For you were baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. When you lack the ability to live, ask the Lord to fill you with His Spirit. When you lack the ability... To forgive, ask the Lord to give you the spirit to to forgive. When you lack the ability, then ask. Say, but why? Can I tell you why? Let's turn the story around for a moment. The man's on the floor, broken, dying and beaten. Who are you in the story? Who are you? Are you a priest that passed by? Are you a Levite that passed by? Are you the good Samaritan there? No, I know who I am in the story. I am the man on the ground that is beaten up and broken with no hope. But somebody with love came to my brokenness. He picked me up. He poured oil on me. He set me on a donkey. He brought me to a house called the Church of God. And there... I received the care and the salvation and the hope through Jesus Christ. You see, ultimately, what Jesus does in our lives, he takes the broken, broken, mugged people who have no hope, who religion has walked by. There is no hope and he comes, he lifts us up and he rescues us and he gives us salvation. I am that guy on the floor. We are that guy. 
And somebody with love, ultimate love, the most unexpected person came to make a difference for us. And he paid the full price and said, when I come back, if there's anything owing, I'll pay the full price for you. We'll pay the full price. Jesus paid the full price on the cross. He paid the full price. And when he rose on the third day, he promised us the power of the Holy Spirit for us to live our lives. You say, yeah, but how am I going to live this out? Look at your Bibles for a moment. What are the two stories that follow straight after this? Radical love is followed by Martha and Mary. Mary is seen as a disciple of Jesus. Mary is at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus affirms her that this is the right thing to do because he knows that only a true disciple is somebody who's found in the presence and at the feet of Jesus. God's radical love is birthed in the place of being a disciple of Jesus and being at the very feet of Jesus in prayer. And the most important thing you can do in your life is be a person of prayer because out of being a person of prayer, of sensitivity, of listening, you rise up with a new love and a new heart. And when you face the challenges of society and you face the challenges and the difficulties of life and you face those problems, you can face them in the love of God because you've been at the feet of Jesus like Mary. Every one of us can be like Martha, busy and haven't got time for Jesus. It's time to have time. You go, okay, that's a good point, Pastor Phil. Well, what's the next verse? Teacher, teacher, chapter 11. Teach us to pray like you pray. You've just been off alone to a certain place. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he'd finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said, when you pray, say the Lord's Prayer. You're there in the presence of God, your father, Abba, intimate, close and personal. You are there Acknowledging the kingdom of God first. You're there asking God for your daily needs. You're there forgiving people around you. You're there battling against the temptations of evil. And when you come out of that place of prayer, you know that you have God's presence and power to move forward. Listen to God's voice in prayer. But it doesn't stop there. He says, then Jesus said, suppose you have a friend. And you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. If you come to my house at midnight for bread, there's going to be a problem. And a friend of mine, Jenny, go to, go to Shelley Burgers. She's got loads of bread. Um, and I have no food. No food. The specialist bakery is closed. Come on. And suppose that one is there. What does he do? Don't bother me. Go away. Because, you know, in the ancient world, there was only one room in the bedroom and one room in the house. And the whole family slept. And he comes and he bangs on the door for the bread. So Jesus says, your prayer life needs to be courageous. It needs to be bold. It needs to be strong. And if we're going to change the world, 
in the way of the Good Samaritan, we need a prayer life and a prayer life in a church that is bold, that is courageous, that we keep knocking the door. We need the bread. We need the bread. We need the bread. We need to seek God's face for situations in our lives. And then where does he finish off? He says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened unto you. If the world can give bad gifts and good gifts, I will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit and I will answer your prayers. But just start asking and receiving. So let me tie this up. The Good Samaritan, how can I live this life in this treacherous world? Well, I can only live it through growing out of the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life and through persistent prayer and through being found at the feet of Jesus and through knocking and asking. And for some of us, it's time to just get our prayer life back in line and time to say, yes, Lord. And there's no better night than the eve of Halloween to gather as a church, to worship together and to pray against the principalities and powers. To bring your journals to knock on the door, to say, we want some bread, please. Bread. And we're going, to wake the, we're going to wake the family up. We're going to wake the town up. We're going to wake up the principalities and powers. Because Jesus is clearly saying, if you want a radical prayer life and you want a radical love life, then what you need to do, you need to boldly come to the door and knock and to ask. Hallelujah. So Father, thank you. I pray for each one of us. Who is our neighbour? Lord, it feels so vast. But we thank you that when we walk along our set roads to Jericho, you will bring those people to us. And may we all be listeners and sensitive to the Spirit. May we not make distinction about people, and, but may we love people as you have loved us paying the hotel bill for our healing and our freedom and making sure that we're looked after. Lord, help us to be like Mary at the feet of Jesus every day of our lives. Help us to pray the Lord's Prayer and every aspect of it in our life, Lord. Help us, Lord, that when we've got a need in our lives, whether that is physical, financial, whether that is circumstantial, whether that is relational, that will bang on the door of the one who has the bread of life to feed us. Help us to pray, Lord. Ask and you will receive. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. Lord, I pray that we will ask and we will receive in Jesus' name. Help us, Lord, I pray. And bless tonight. Willow One Prayer, may you fill this church with people that want to bang on the doors of heaven and pull down the doors of darkness. 
May we be watchmen on the wall on this darkest of nights and declare the good news of Jesus. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and finish. If you want prayer, I'm going to invite elders to come. And uh, pastors. Hallelujah.